everybody. I'm Dan Jackson. And this is James B. And this is Localist Politics. Politics made simple and easy to understand. Politics uh, as a conversation that's meant to help you on the left of center in rural parts of America learn that it's okay to be left of center. You shouldn't have to Google a policy to understand what it's saying to you. Politics are made simple for everyone to understand in your community. You shouldn't need an encyclopedia or have to go to a special class. So here on Localist Politics, we try to take care of that for you. Yeah, we've got a, a, a good, this is our third episode that we've done, and uh, we're having more and more folks listen to us, which is fantastic. We appreciate it. We, we'd really like it if you would uh, follow us either. I've, I've been listening to it on Spotify, but it's available on several formats. If you go to Spotify, we'd appreciate it if you'd click to follow and uh, and like it, you know. And I've been sharing on Facebook because here in rural Paris, Tennessee, that's where people, you know, that's where they get most of their social media. So I've been sharing it there and had some good responses from folks. Now I'm asking them to go ahead and click that follow button on Spotify. Um, as we said, uh, we, we want to present issues uh, that, uh, well, we want to present all political issues because even though people are always saying, oh, we don't want to talk about politics, you know, we don't want to talk about politics and religion. Well, the problem is in, in West Tennessee or in, in rural Tennessee and rural probably everywhere in America, about the only thing you ever hear about is what was said on Fox News last night. So we think it's, it, we think the other side deserves a voice. This week for our third episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to kind of back up a little bit off of the policy and kind of talk about something that's going on in every neighborhood and every community across Tennessee. Uh, for some of you who may not know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so we wanted to do something to touch bases with that because if we're going to talk about local being policy, we also talk about the issues that drive the politics in your local area and some of the tragedies that go on. And today... We are blessed we have two survivors of domestic violence today that are going to come and try to encourage you, let you know that you're not out there going through this situation by yourself. Now, for safety, for privacy, uh, we have changed the names of our two survivors tonight. Uh, we will refer to them by just two random letters uh, because we believe that the story is more important than the name. And so we ask you tonight to listen to the name, listen to the stories that's going on, and if you see these type of things going on in your community, reach out. Absolutely, uh, it's it's important uh, to know that domestic violence is not something. Well, a lot of times it's something that we think, oh, that's that doesn't happen in my neighborhood, but it happens in every neighborhood. It happens in every uh, community, and um, and it's and really in underserved. Um, in, in a lot of the uh, underserved populations like LBTQ, uh, persons with disabilities, immigrants, uh, racial, ethnic minorities, American Indians, all of those, it's even, there's even a less, uh, it's even lesser served. So we have to be more aware of it uh, to help those populations uh, uh, recover and survive this. Paris, domestic violence is not a red or a blue issue. It is not a black or white issue. It is not an economical issue. It's a human rights issue. It's an issue for people. Women are not the only victims of domestic violence. Men also suffer from domestic violence across all boundaries. So sometimes, you know, people say, put yourself in their shoes. That's what we really have to do in this situation. You can never say, oh, how could they allow this to go on? Oh, how could they go back to them? Uh, everybody has a reason. Everybody has a story. 
but that's because somebody may have made a mistake in the past. That does not mean that they're past redemption. So, without any further ado, we will introduce you to our two speakers for tonight. Uh, hi. This is M. This is M. This is Lady M. Uh, I have just recently got out of an abusive relationship. Um, it happens. I gave a lot of excuses. It started off with name calling and it just escalated from there. And um, I'm very happy to be out of that situation. Okay. Well, my name is M. No, I'm T. <laughs> <laughs> it's T and M, okay? <laughs> but um, I come from a very strict family um, where. You know, my grandfather, he, uh, he, we got up, we went to church on Sundays. We didn't stay out. When the street lights came on, we were expected to be in the house. He didn't want our parents out running the streets. He always said there was nothing out there. So when I got to see it firsthand in my family where someone actually got knocked upside the head, and I was like, whoa, it really do happen. And I was like, well, I don't think that's going to happen to me, or I don't think I ever love anybody that much to where they're going to put their hands on me and I'm still going to lay down next to them and say that, oh, it's going to be okay, we'll get through this, until it happened to me. And so um, with that being said, I just want people to know that you don't have to keep it in the dark. It's okay for you to tell somebody because you talking about it or expressing yourself and letting people know your story, it can help somebody else say, okay, I need help, what can I do to get out of this situation, or what did you do to get out of the situation? So I'll um, go back and I'll tell you a little bit about my story. I'm a mother of five, but at the time I had four children. I was all boys, so we kept a lot of stuff in the dark because I was like, I didn't want my young men growing up to think that it's okay for them to curse out their girlfriend or their spouse or their significant other and tell them that they're not worth this or nobody wants them because they got five kids or nobody's going to want them because they got a black eye or they did this or they're with this person or they're with that person and make them just feel less of a person. So I, I kept a lot of stuff hid. I was in a relationship where I couldn't go around my family because uh, the person I was with was jealous of my family. He always thought that if I was there, then I was there trying to get away from him or telling them what was going on. And he knew that I came from a family that had a lot of men. And so he was worried that, okay, if they find out that I'm doing this to her, then they're going to do something to me. And so a lot of times in situations like that, you can find that the man is afraid to stand up to other men because they're weak. So they make it makes them feel strong or makes them feel more of a man when they make that woman feel less of the person that she is. So I had to learn that I needed to love myself. But in that process, I mean, I had to go through a lot. I dealt with a lot. I was scared to leave because I was just like, I really love this man. Um, God, you know, I'm a pray. I go to church every Sunday. Please, Lord, I mean, fix his heart so that he won't talk to me like this. And, you know, and I had to understand, well, if I have another baby, then maybe it'll be okay. No, it got worse. I was in situations where I woke up one day and everything in my house was gone. He had called me and said that he was leaving. 
and he was going to be with another woman. And so he called me a week later asking me if I would send him money to come home because he realized he made a mistake. I did everything that I had to do to make sure I sent money so he could come home because I, I love him so much. And maybe this time it's going to be better. It's going to be better. It was worse. I got smacked upside my head with keys because I called the hotel and asked for his room number and he answered the phone. So he came home, and when he came home, I said, what are you doing at the motel? So when I said that, he took the keys and smacked me across my face. He did it in front of his family, and so, like, they didn't do anything. I was just laying on the floor. I got smacked in my face. I was kicked in my stomach. I was six months pregnant. And so, you know, I'm like, how can y'all stand there and let this go on? You're like, I don't see anything. Are we getting ready to go? And I'm like, no, somebody help me. And so, you know... After you get out of that situation and then you're trying to get yourself together before your kids get home from school or before your mom drops them off and you're standing in the bathroom, you know, and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, why do I do this? And I'm like, well, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It don't get better. So I just want people to know, you know, like, you don't have to deal with it. You don't have to put up with it. It's not okay. And, you know, your kids go up and they do what they see their dad do or they see their mom do so you know I'm looking like okay so if I don't get out of this situation somebody's gonna either be dead somebody's gonna be in jail or we're both gonna be in jail and our kids are gonna be in foster care you know so it's it's just a lot it was a lot uh it took a lot for me to like still I'm still working on like building up my that self esteem that I had because, you know, when somebody make you feel like you're as low as dirt in the ground or poop on the bottom of your shoe, you know, it takes a lot for you to get your self-esteem built up. I mean, I still like, I don't like looking at myself in certain things, you know, um, you know, it was hard. I mean, I'm married now, so I had to like adjust and like, I had to like sometimes explain to my husband, like, okay, like I don't like that because this situation like this or I went through this situation here so I feel like this right here and you know so like you have to explain that when you get into a new relationship you have to talk to that person and just let them know like things that you've been through um or certain things that make you feel a certain type of way you know um but that's just what I got yeah yeah when did for you guys did was there an initial sign of it that or, or it first started or was it immediate or was it within the first weeks or months or or after you felt you know I guess after you got in a serious relationship I guess it started after the relationship you know became serious was well like for me um we had been maybe together a month or two I, I got pregnant like right off the bat so um I was pregnant, and then, you know, I was just like, okay, well, it's going to be okay. But then I found out, like, we were supposed to have Thanksgiving dinner, and I was supposed to go to his family's house. And um, he never showed up, and I kept calling his phone, and I was like, what is he at? And so I come to find out, I go to the gas station, and his prior uh, girlfriend is there. Well, at the time, it was still his girlfriend, I find out. Oh, was gosh. at the gas station and she was like no we was together we just left his parents house and so when i get home he calls my phone and, and like, of course i confront him and then that's when it started off with the name calling and then you know like 
it started off like mm-hmm. something as small as that, and then I was like, okay, well, you know, that it's just he called me out my name, but so does yeah. so does everybody else. So you yeah. know, that it's ain't the heat nothing. of the moment. Yeah, thought, yeah. So I mean, I said something to him too, you know. So I was just like, it'll go through, and it just escalated from there, you know, just. You see stuff or you say something, you see, pick up the phone. I stopped looking at phones because I was like, you might see something you don't want to see. And then you ask that person about that. You don't never know how their reaction is going to be. So I don't even deal with it. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And what's done in the dark comes to light. So, you know, that's how yeah. I looked yeah. at that situation. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes putting stuff in the dark, I, I had it in the dark. I hid it in the dark. And then, like, um... I get a phone call or I'm um, talking to uh, one of my family members, and they was like, yeah, you know, such and such got two kids. And I'm like, two kids? I'm like, well, we together. I mean, after me, before me. And so, like, they're saying the age, and I'm like, so you really thought, like, I would just be with somebody knowing that they, like, had two whole kids and, like, we are supposed to be married or, like, together and, you know, my family thought that I was just okay with it because I dealt with, I guess they thought I was dealing with so much and they letting them do it. So they was just like, well, I guess she said she don't care. I mean, so, but no, they never knew that I did not know that information. So I choose to like leave that relationship. Uh, he was incarcerated at the time I went to the jailhouse. I scheduled the first visit I could. And so he came around the corner. He's like, is everything okay? And I was like, why did I hear you have two kids? And, so, you know, he was like, what? And I'm like, uh, yeah. I was like, I'm probably not going to take the block off the phone. I'm not going to send any money up here. I'm not going to see you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, this is probably like, this is just it. And so like, I left the jailhouse. I went home. I got enough kid, I mean, money for me and my kids. I took the clothes for uh, them and enough for me to get to work like through a week and everything else I left in that house. My landlord kept calling. He's like, are you going to pay the rent? I was like, no. I said, we're not going to pay the rent. I said, and everything that's in that house, you can sell or do whatever you need to and that's going to be the rent money. Whatever you have left over, do whatever you got to do. I said, I want anything that was in that house because I don't want, I don't want, when he gets out, I don't want him coming to me asking me for it anything if it gets out i don't know you got to call the landlord so you know i left that situation um i didn't have anywhere to go my kids went to my mom's i stayed in my vehicle i worked midnight shifts so i would get off at 11 o'clock i worked at pml i would get off at 11 o'clock and park my truck behind my mom's house and i would sleep in my truck and then get up the next day and like before everybody else i'm sorry it's okay take your time Take, take, take your time. So before I knew my kids had to be up or my mom would get up for work, I would move my vehicle and like just come down there and make it look like I stayed at a friend's house so that they wouldn't know that we didn't have anywhere to go and that I just left like their dad. So I did that for a while and then my cousin finally found out. So. She had a two-bedroom. She stayed in the projects, and she was like, I don't care um, what we got to do. She's like, you can stay here. She's like, bring your kids here. It's not going to be a burden on me. She's like, I'll talk to the person that was over the projects at the time. She's like, I'll let her know the situation. That way we don't get in any trouble. And so I stayed with her, and then the lady that was over the apartment complex 
uh, told me that she didn't have anything available at the time, but as soon as she got something available, she would let me know. She called as soon as she had a two-bedroom. She said, I got a two-bedroom. I know that's going to be enough, she said, but that's good enough for right now. And so me and I had uh, two kids at the time, and we and my oldest two stayed in the projects with um, the apartment, the two-bedroom, and then my mom kept my youngest two. And then once we got everything in there and I got like beds and furniture and everything, then I bought all of them over there. But it's it's just like a lot that people deal with and nobody knows. But like you don't have to. Um, you can always talk to somebody. You don't have to like just go into depth or just be into details. I mean, yes, I, I hated that person for a long time. And I had to pray to God because I don't want that hatred. I don't want the hatred in my heart. I want them to know, like, yes, you did me wrong. Yes, you hurt me. But I still forgive you because at the end of the day, we do have kids together. You are still their dad. I pray that whatever you had in you, that darkness that you had going on then, I pray that it's released because I don't want the next person to go through that. And people used to be like, you're crazy. You're praying. I'm like, yes. I said, because she's still at the end of the day, another woman. She's still another female. And I still have children by this man. So I don't want them going over there and seeing what's going on. And then thinking like, okay, well, daddy do it. So mama tell me I don't, uh, I don't have to mama tell me to do my homework and I don't want to, I'm gonna hit her upside her head. And so, you know, like that could cause like a lot of trouble and problems. So, you know, yeah, I, I pray for that man, and you know, I don't know what he got going on today. I don't know if he's still doing what he's doing. He seems to be doing okay, but you know, like, it's not okay. And when they start calling you at your name, that's the number one sign. When they grab you by your arm and tell you to look at them, or you're going to do this, or you're going to do that, you probably should go ahead and start preparing yourself to leave. Um, but you know, it's, it's not okay, and there is help, and people will help you. No one's going to talk about you, and if they do, so be it. They're probably dealing with it, too. M, M, did you see similar warning signs? Yeah, I saw signs within the first month of the relationship. There was a very cruel name-calling going on pretty early on. I forgave him because I accepted at the time that I thought he was just angry and that, you know, that was an anger response, and that's not really how he felt, but there were signs very early on that I wish I would have paid attention to more. And uh, if somebody is going to call you names like that, they're not the one for you. Sometimes it's hard to know when you're young and you get into a relationship. You know, it's hard to go. If you have witnessed that kind of behavior, you know, with your own family, it's kind of hard to know that this is you know you're in it you don't realize how unusual this behavior is you know it seems horrible but then you as human beings I mean it's some, there's something about being a human being like we're programmed to forget the worst about situations and it's, I think that's something about how we survive uh, I've always said women go through childbirth and then they want to have another baby <laughs> and I'm like I don't think men obviously I really don't think any man could ever do that but I think that is part of our of our being is that we, we try to forget 
and uh, it's a you know mechanism that a survival mechanism that we use which works against y'all in, in this situation do you ladies feel like that your uh, upbringing I heard uh, one of you mentioned that uh, you came from a family that was very highly religious and I know a lot of times in the church they always try to encourage you to stay together through a marriage that a marriage is such a holy uh, union do you feel like that your religious beliefs may have kept you in those situations a little bit longer than you thought and did you feel like maybe you was betraying your religion if you would have left I do but um, I had to learn that you don't have to stay married or be married to somebody just because uh, your family thinks that you're married and you're supposed to live through it and work through everything because the one thing my grandfather told me is uh, you work through whatever you can but the minute they put their hands on you then it's time for you to go because either I'm going to do something to them or they're going to be dead and he said so just go on and just let that go so I had to like hear them say that in order to know like okay so it is okay or, or like I'm not going to go to hell because I divorced my husband. You know, oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. Yeah. I had to learn the, that. That is in the rural South, I mean, certainly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we, I remember being as as a kid, hearing that exact argument, oh, you know, you can't get divorced no matter what. And, yeah, there is a there is a no matter what. But for definitely the, for the good and for the bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but yeah. it comes a time where that bad becomes absurd. You know, and I try to tell people, even from a religious standpoint, um, God loves all his children. He, he, he doesn't wish hardship on you. If you look at the scripture, it says, I wish prosperity. I, I wish good things for you, longevity, life. You know, it's not prosperous being in a headlock, you know. But sometimes, you know, you have to be aware. And I'm not knocking religious, not knocking religion, but sometimes, you know, if you're talking about the truth, uh, certain aspects of religion was used to control. So they highlighted certain aspects because they wanted to keep a certain rule, a certain cap uh, over you, you know. But if you study scripture, uh, Christ says that my yoke is easy, which means that it, it, it's not that hard to be right. Um, and I just hate that sometimes people feel forced into these situations. And as a man, I can't even imagine uh, um, of it. Uh, but you know, uh, men also battle domestic uh, abuse, you know, uh, but I think it's looked at differently. Uh, well, do you, well, let me well, ask, do well, you it think starts that it's looked out, at differently? Like, like you guys said, it, it started out with a name calling, which is not physical uh, yet, you know, and then so I guess, you know, from that perspective, from a male perspective, it could certainly start out with, you know, that type of abuse. And I guess there's all types of, I mean, I guess there's mental abuse and, and physical abuse and, 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 and other, you know, areas uh, but abuse is abuse, I believe. I think all of them. Yeah, I'm very. It is wrong. How you how you you know hit it from your kids, you know, it speaks a lot too, uh, because it affects more than just it's the secondary effect of this is your children and your, right. your family and when they go to school and when and you know other people and how it affects them and their relationships with other other people. And so that just goes, you know, further and further, further right. out. Uh, how how long did did this situation for you, Em? How how long did this last? We were together for four years. Um, we had ups and downs throughout that, mostly downs. But I kept holding on to the hope that we would be okay again. I wish I would have 
just left very early on. I let it go very far. Um, I stayed with him towards the end because of the kids. And uh, I was raised in an atheist household that I have, I am a religious person today. And that uh, I did struggle with that in the last few months about, you know, this is a divorce and that's not God's plan. But abuse is not okay in any form. And um, yeah, I def yeah. think we definitely say it's not part part of God's plan. Yeah. But, Really, not any perspective that you well, did it ever get into a point uh, with you ladies where you thought about reaching out to law enforcement, or was it also a situation where you maybe kind of was even embarrassed to uh, even do that for the fear that somebody might, for example, see the police at your house and yeah. you know how people want to get nosy? Well, what they over there for, and you still kind of get that backlash uh, from it. Yeah, did you did you call law enforcement? Did either either of you have that have that situation arise? I thought about it several times and I didn't want to. I didn't want him to be viewed in a bad light. But this last time I did reach out and I did go get an emergency protection order and it was granted right away and I struggled with that. I really, when I went in, I was still debating if that was what I should do or not. And I'm so thankful that I did. Um, it was definitely the right thing to do. It should have been done a long time ago. Um, but that was hard for me to make that step and, and go to the police and, and tell them what was going on. And I, like I said, sure. I'm just very thankful that yeah. I did reach out. Sure. Are there, uh, T, you, you did yours. I mean, you guys kind of went two different ways. Right. And uh, you just, you, you uh, kind of found your own support system uh, through your friends and through, mm -hmm. through your family, uh, you, you know, Right. With, your, with your kids and through your family, uh, with you, M, were you able to? Uh, was there any groups here in the area that that helped you? Or my family is almost all of my family is in another state, um, many hours away. I was yeah. thankful. I have a cousin that lives close, and I had wonderful, wonderful work friends, and that was really my work friends was really what made put it into realization for me that what he was doing was not okay and um really like i would tell them what was going on and they were like oh my gosh why are you why are you with him and um i've i've received so much support and love from so many people where he was cutting me down and calling me names and putting his hands on me everybody else has been so loving and supporting and i appreciate everyone and um, it's a good thing to reach out and people that do care there are people that care was that a big thing did you maybe think at one point in time maybe at the worst part of that relationship that nobody really cared you know um, from, from you two ladies uh, point of view um, it seemed like you kind of were by yourself right a lot of it uh, but I do know of some situations leaving names aware to where the family knows uh, about it, but then maybe because uh, the abuser has something over a family member, whether uh, financially or or he also know that you cheating on your you know your your spouse <laughs> or something, you know. So they they kind of bow down to that person. I think uh, 
that makes it hard on the person because when I'm listening to you, uh, both of you ladies say there was the support, the the, right. the people around you, the community. Uh, so is there anything that either one of you would say to, to a woman or a man, to uh, any victim, uh, that may be in a situation where they feel alone, uh, to where they don't have their family there or their family do know, but their family is turning a yeah, blind eye or saying, well, you know, uh, if, if, if you divorce them, you're going to H-E-double-L, you, you know, and, and put that kind of pressure uh, on them to say in that situation. Is something that you could maybe say? Um, just know that you're not alone. Uh, just talk to uh, your friends. Like uh, M said, you might have a co-worker. You might just be uh, have that connection or bond with, or you might just step over one time and just be like, hey, you know, I was talking to uh, my mom, and, you know, she told me I should stay in this situation, but can I get your opinion? My boyfriend, my ex-husband, or my spouse, uh, he told me today that I was a, a B-I-T-C-H. You know, he popped me upside my head because I didn't have dinner ready. Is that okay? No, and then you might find out that, no, that's not okay. Uh, They're dealing with the same thing, or they have dealt with the same thing I know just for me just telling people my story I've come to learn that I was not ever the, the only person dealing with it uh, I've heard someone tell me that um, they was in a relationship where they uh, spouse shot a gun past their ear and it took all they seen was their hair hitting the floor and you know I was like I just told this lady that I was going to be on a podcast and I found out that like like she can't hear because her husband shot a gun and took her hearing out and burnt her on with cigarettes you know like that that's a lot and like so just like know that you're not alone people are there that would help you you can start out with having like just a small conversation with your friends and you know like if they don't encourage you to leave they're not, not really your friend you should probably find somebody else to hang out with and just know that really you you don't have to do anything by yourself there is groups out there that will help you if you're nervous or you're scared you know you don't have to be i was that person and it's not okay to be scared it's not okay to be afraid and it's not okay for you to feel like you're alone you don't have to do it I think that was the hardest part for me was accepting that I was scared. I've, I have prided myself on being somebody that I am not afraid of anybody. And when I filed for the emergency protection order, I had to admit that yes, I was scared. I was scared for my life. And that's not okay. Um, my family, uh, I think I, they knew what was going on and they were encouraging me to leave, but I didn't take them seriously. I grew up in a household that my dad put hands on my mom often, so I grew up thinking that that was just normal and that's what people deal with. It's It happens, but it's not normal. And I, like T said, you should reach out to friends and find support and get help to get out of your situation. I just uh, quickly Googled this when we asked that question. Uh, you know where do you find help and I wish I was more prepared on where you could find help in Paris Tennessee think maybe James has some information about that but there isn't a toll-free number uh, for anyone that uh, you know feels like they're in this situation 800 799 
1-800-273-7233. Again, I Googled it. Where can I get help for domestic abuse? And then there is a, uh, you uh, text, if you want to text it, you text START to 88788. So there are some national um, domestic violence supports. It says everyone deserves relationships free from domestic violence. When you're ready, we're here to listen with confidential support. So that's good. Uh, on, on the local level, uh, we have two uh, facilities here. Uh, Cary Counseling Center, uh, whose number is 1-800-611-7757. And we also have a program here called uh, RAPS, uh, which phone number is 731-407-6013. And the RAPS are, it stands for Women Resources and Rape Assistance Programs. And that's located right here uh, in Paris and Henry County. Um, so there is some um, assistance far as uh, that the county is trying to do. But, you know, I think a lot of the churches here may be uh, open um, to it. And churches, if you're listening and you, and you don't have a program out there, you know, this is something... Uh, that we should be doing. Uh, if you listen to the story, uh, it was the support that they finally got that made them feel like they could walk away uh, from these situations. Um, and, and like I said, this is not a black and white issue, red or blue uh, issues. Uh, churches are put in the community to serve the community. That's right. Um, and regardless of what your view may be on marriage, you, you still owe uh, responsibility to serve the victims who, when they're blessed, they turn into survivors. And I think today we had two survivors uh, that came and spoke with us yep. today. And it was just amazing with some of the things um, that they were saying. Right. You know, that I couldn't uh, really uh, imagine how I could go, you know, from a man's point of view, because a lot of times you see men being so strong or that happened to somebody else. Uh, but, you know, something that men should look at, what about what happened to your sister? Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or let's say you have a, you know, a, you know, a divorced mother. I mean, it can happen at any age. I mean, it's, it's yeah. this is this is a thing that, um, you know, probably, I mean, if you're if you're a gay person, I mean, they are a lesbian person. I mean, mm -hmm. certainly can happen in that situation, too. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast and you you think you know of someone that that this might that, that they could be in a dangerous situation like this. Hey, uh, sure, have them listen to this. I mean, this would be good to hear these stories. Maybe they could. Maybe they would see some similarities to the situation they have and know that it's okay uh, to make a change in their life. And this is not just something um, that's happening in Nashville, um, in Memphis. Um, you know, Tennessee ranks the fifth highest rate of women murdered by men. Oh, gosh. I um, know that. And then it also says that women in rural areas like Paris, like Henry County, like McKenzie, like Huntington, are more likely to report experiencing a more violent attack. Now, the catch to that is this. What they're saying that in the rural area, uh, those women are being affected more. Tennessee is 93% rural. Yeah. You know, j j just let that. Uh, sink in. So that, that, that's telling you that more than likely, you know somebody who is the victim of domestic violence. Yeah. Whether they come front and told you, or if it's something that they're hiding. But if you say 93% of the state, 
Yeah, if you do, if it's if if it's not you, but if you see these, you know, warning signs, be that person that reaches out. Be that person that reaches out to help. Because as we've heard here today, that's that's the most valuable thing is 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 help from your uh, from your friends and from your family. Politics is here to help govern the community, to help support the community. So even though that today's conversation and have a policy number about it, you best believe that politics is connected to this situation. This politics is local. I would also like to encourage um, you just take that first step. I filed for the emergency protection order and I was scared to do so, but I did it and I'm thankful that I did it. And when the hearing comes, they have an advocate come in and, and they're with you, they go in with you. My lady was a wonderful, she was very informative, she helped me, she, she I felt like gave me the chance to have a voice and, and really explain what was going on. So there is help even through the courthouse as well if you make that first step. Well, this is Local is Politics with Dan Jackson and James B.